Uh, good morning, Creekside. I'm, I'm Mark. I'm one of the pastors here, and man, just thrilled to be here with you. If you're here visiting with us this morning, um, welcome. So glad to have you here. I'd love a chance to uh, say hi and meet you afterwards. I'll be out in the lobby and would love to say hi. There's a, a QR code in front of you that uh, if you want to scan that, um, it takes you to kind of like what's happening in the church, and you can uh, fill out a little connection thing to, so we can get in touch and talk about what the church is all about and, and what it looks like to be connected. Um, and we'd love to do that with you. But um, this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to open the Word of God. We're in a series on First and Second Thessalonians. We're in Second Thessalonians now, just started, and we are, the next two passages are two of the toughest passages in the entire Bible, okay? So if you want to see like a preacher sweat, these next two passages are like what it's all about, okay? However, I'm going to give myself a break uh, for one week, and we're going to push that off until next week and the week after. So you know, yeah, come, do your study, be ready to show me all the ways I'm wrong. In the meantime, today... We're going to uh, go jump into 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. And the reason for that is we're, we're, we're like now fully in summer. Like it's official. We're in summer. And what happens in the summer, like last summer you guys were like, do you want to see how hard I can vacation? And I was like, no, I don't. I want you here. And you guys were like, I'm going to show you anyways. And you just like traveled everywhere. And, um, and it was just so bizarre just seeing people zig and zag and cover the country and everything. Um, I feel like we're, we're going to be a little more tame this summer. But we just, it's hard to have those regular rhythms during the summer. And so we kind of scatter. And there's something so beautiful about the church that gathers, right? Like we are a family and when we gather, that's so beautiful. But there's also this design that the Lord has in the church that scatters, right? And so we are not always here, not always meeting together, not always singing songs, um, but we come together and then we go, and we go out into the, the world around us. We go into these friendships, into our workplaces, and on all, all our vacations, and I wanted to set us up this summer um, to kind of calibrate us to, I, I believe, the heart of God um, for, for, I think, something that he would like to do in us this summer. This has been on my heart for a long time, and um, something I've been processing, and um, so I'm, I'm excited to just kind of uh, lob this out here to us and say, hey guys, I think the Lord is inviting us into something like this this summer, and, um, and let's see how that resonates with our hearts, and let's see what God is leading us into. So to do that, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 3, and um, if you have your Bible, you can open there. Otherwise, I'm going to put it on the screen for us here, and uh, here's, here's the, the context. Paul is like in this context, right into the Corinthians, and he's basically telling them, you guys have been insanely immature, and he's like really frustrated with their immaturity. Um, they're, they're just acting in this human way, and, and this is the problem that he sees. So starting in verse 3, he says, While there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you have believed, as the Lord assigned to each. So Paul is disappointed with this church. It's just saying, man, you, there's all this jealousy, this envy, this strife. You're being super immature. And what is the immaturity that he sees in them? He says, you're all looking at your pastoral leaders, and you're saying, I'm a big Apollos guy. You know, like, oh, man, I am all about Paul. And he's saying, you're taking these church leaders, and you're lifting them up and saying, my spiritual life, my church life is about this leader um, or this church or this brand, okay? And he's saying, that is so, like, human of you to do that thing, and he's like, I, that's not what I want for you. He's calling them away from this form of immaturity. Now, that was 2,000 years ago, and I would say that now, fast forward 2,000 years later to where we are today, and I would say we've taken this immaturity that the Corinthian church has, and we have perfected it, polished it, and really refined it into an art where we are all about uh, a pastoral leadership church brand type of a culture, 
Like we really do, I think, align ourselves, and I'm talking about the American church as a whole, but align ourselves with the leaders that we identify with the most. And our spiritual lives become, in many ways, about like what that person is up to. Okay, so some of you are like, man, you're John MacArthur people. Others of you are like John Piper people. Others of you are like, no, no, John Mark Comer, right? As long as it's a John, you're just like about it, okay? And, uh, and some of you are like, no, I'm a, I'm a Beth Moore person, you know? Uh, I'm Austin Channing Brown. I, I follow Christine Kane. Like all these names and people that we look to, right? And all of our churches are brands, right? I, I'm part of Creekside, right? Oh, Doxa, oh, Bayside. And we kind of like get ourselves into these things where kind of our spiritual life isn't so much about what's going on in here. And it's not really about like me and how I'm serving and blessing the people around me. And instead it's about like that person on that stage is kind of like my connection to the Lord in a sense. Um, and the problem with it is it's not even, it's not even just like um, looking at a church. That, so um, it's not looking at a church leader and saying, I mean, it's the way that person lives their life. It's the way that they interact with the body of Christ. It really comes down to really like the way that person talks about doctrine. You know, when John MacArthur talks about doctrine, it really gets me going. When John Piper talks about doctrine, it really makes me feel connected to the Lord. Um, it's this weird, anemic version of something that God actually wants us to experience, um, which is church life, which is true spirituality, which is true connection to the Lord, and it is participation in the big things that God's doing in the world, but we've kind of distanced ourselves from it by holding up these people. uh, Last, let's see, Friday night, I got to go with my family. This is like a big deal for us. We got to go to, with my family, to uh, the Warriors Stadium to watch game four of the NBA Finals. Okay, big deal, like coolest thing I've ever done. Now, the Warriors were in Boston uh, playing the game there. So we just got to watch it on the screen, 25 bucks. It was the only way we're seeing a finals game in a stadium, okay? But it was, um, it was amazing, okay? And let me just tell you, like, just us and 14,000 other people, like, uh, we're watching the Warriors, and I'll tell you, man, we, we played great. Uh, we worked really hard. We got down by a bit, but, like, we pulled it out by the end, right? And, um, and I think some of you are singing, because the thing, the way I like to talk about it is, like, we won, guys. We did great. We did it, right? But what did I do? I sat there and ate a hot dog, you know? Um, I screamed and whatever, but um, I didn't do anything. The team was doing it, right? I, I love, this, love this meme. I want to share it with you. My team won the big game. Looks like I'm a winner now, too. And uh, I love that because we talk about it, and it's like, man, they did all the hard work and whatever. And I feel like, you know, if we come back to it, um, I think we sometimes get that way in church a little bit. Like, I love my church. I love, I love like, what my pastor says. I love, like, and, and uh and it kind of like excuses us in a sense from like, if my, if my church is exciting and if there's cool things happening, then like my spiritual life is great. I'm on fire. I'm doing great. But Paul is going to step back from all that and say, hey, this is problematic, guys. Let me call you into something bigger and healthier and more whole and more closely aligned with God's heart for the whole thing. And so what he does is Paul looks at these uh, people and he says, okay, yeah, you guys are aligning with Paul's. With me, Paul, uh, he's saying, who are these people? Who is Paul? Who's Paul? He says simply this, we're servants. We're servants through whom you believe. That's not nothing, right? There's this big, like their own belief came from this whole thing, but just servants, right? As the Lord assigned to each. Like God gave this um, sort of calling, whatever. It's all about the Lord. See, I think we need to dismantle our like church leadership culture, and we need to dismantle our church as a brand culture, and we need to get back to something that's like, way different. I think sometimes we look at it almost like politics, right? Politics, you back your candidate. Your candidate's going to do good things, make great changes, and my job is to get that person in office, and then they do the work, and the world gets better around me, right? The church is not like that. 
The church is us. That's the reality. The church is us. We are the church. And so the invitation is for us to be together transformed, right? Together on a mission. We, we spent time um, just about a year ago refining our mission as a church. And we said, okay, yeah, what, let's clarify. Like, what are we really about? What are we trying to even do here? And we said, our goal is we want to glorify God. Okay, so that's important. It's all about who God is. We want to glorify God by finding life in Jesus together and inviting others to do the same. We said, that is what it's all about. We want to be finding life in Jesus side by side together and inviting other people to do the same. And the reality is, is that I cannot accomplish our mission statement by myself. Like, I can't find life in Jesus together by myself, right? It takes us. I am no more central to us being who we're called to be as a church um, than anyone in this room is, right? It's all of us together finding life in Jesus and just saying, come on, join us in that. It's a beautiful thing. And so Paul is just calling them back and reminding them, saying, hey, let's dismantle this church culture. So what does he do? He describes what it actually should look like um, in verse 6. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters are one, and each will receive their wages according to their labor. So Paul is um, pulling us back to the heart of the church. Now, here's the, here's the crazy thing. I, I believe, truly, I deeply, that the, the point of the church is to change the world. Like, I think that's God's intention, is to change our world. I think that's why he sent Jesus into the world to, like, uh, pay for our sins and provide healing. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He means to change the world. And when Jesus left to go back with the Father, he left the church. And our job is change the world. Now, that feels super daunting, okay? That's, like, terrifying to think, like, okay, how could we possibly, right? And so if it feels daunting to us, I think we're understanding something true about it. But on the flip side, I think if it feels too daunting, we, we do misunderstand the task. What is actually being asked of us and required of us? Paul gives us um, three simple things. Because what he's talking about is he's saying, look, um, this is a big deal. You've got a big task. But he's not saying it's about how great your leaders are. No, it's not about how great your leaders are. He's saying it's about how simple the task is right? This is, this is going to be fine. This is going to be okay. God's going to transform the world, not through great, powerful leaders, but through a simple, beautiful task. So Paul gives us three things, planting, watering, and growth. And it's as simple as those three things, planting, watering, growth. We're being invited to see the kingdom of God and God's mission in the world as farming with planting and watering and growth. Planting, I believe, um, it, uh, to kind of unpack the metaphor, is about like putting a seed in the ground, right? So take a seed of um, maybe introducing Jesus, to uh, someone to Jesus for the first time. This is who Jesus is. This is what he's like. And you kind of plant that in a person's life like a seed. Maybe it's like the hope that Jesus offers. Coming to people that are um, hopeless, depressed, uh, purposeless. There's a lot of that going on right now. And showing how there is hope in life and purpose in Jesus, right? So these are the kind of seeds that we plant. And so someone has this encounter of like, wow, I didn't realize that before. That's, gonna, that's an interesting thing that I'll have to ponder, right? So that's planting a seed. I think watering looks like coming alongside where those seeds have already been planted and kind of like nurturing that a little bit, right? Exploring it, unpacking it, maybe embodying, like instead of just talking about hope as a seed, now we embody that hope a little bit in our community, and that kind of like waters, nurtures that seed. And then there's growth, and growth is where the miracle happens, right? That's where like actually something changes, and I think that's someone's life being transformed as that seed takes root is that watering takes effect and lives are transformed. Here's what Paul says. Uh, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, 
right? But who gives the growth? God, right? So the, the easy ones are planting the seeds, watering the seeds. The hard one is the growth, and he's saying you don't even have to do that because that's God's job. He's going to do that. So all we're called to do is be these farmers that plant and that water. See, Paul's not even talking about the effectiveness of our planting and our watering. He's not saying, make sure you're really good and skillful at this. He's simply saying, like, look, here's what's really happening. You guys are lifting up Paul and Apollos, and I'm just here to tell you, like, I put some seeds in the ground, and Apollos watered those seeds, and then, like, God (laughs) produced a harvest. And so he's stepping back and helping us see that, man, it is not, uh, like, it's not the, 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 the nature of the thing. It's a simple task that we're called to. And unfortunately, as I wrestle with this, I feel like in so many ways, our church culture, the culture that we create, pulls us away from the simplicity of of the um, the task, and it puts it on the shoulders of uh, the leaders or the church as an organization or something that kind of depersonalizes it, de-individualizes it, and we kind of push it this way, and then we kind of are lost in our Christian spirituality. I was thinking about it this week like this. I, when I learned to drive, I learned to drive on a stick shift, okay? And probably like three old people in here and myself learned how to drive on a stick shift. Some of you guys have never even driven a stick shift, okay? And that's totally fine. That's totally fine. But what, what, a, what a manual transmission is, is you're, you're going, you got to start in first gear because otherwise, you know, you, you get at that speed. When you're going fast enough, you get into second. When you get fast enough, you go into third. And the goal is, when you're driving a stick shift, the goal is to get into fifth gear because then you're driving like as fast as you can and you're just like, you're just cruising, okay? So the goal is, as I'm first learning to drive, is like, get it up there, get it up there. All right, finally, fifth gear, here we go. Hands back on the wheel, like I'm enjoying life. This is great, right? But the problem is, okay, if you're driving around mountain roads like I was, the problem is you're going fast, right? And man, fifth gear just keeps you rolling a little too fast for some of these corners, okay? And when you get to a hill, fifth gear only gets you so far up a hill because you start to lose power. So you got to downshift, hitting the fourth, you're handling better, you've got more power, downshift again to third if you have to. So okay, why am I saying this? I feel like in church culture, we've got like a fifth gear culture in our churches where it's like it's all about let's get rolling let's get cruising and then hey church's job is just to keep us in fifth gear man we are cruising together like life is flying by everything's easy when you're when you're going fifth gear um you can't make a quick turn onto a side street or something it's all about these big on ramps off ramps you can you can kind of stay in most off ramps in fifth gear if you know what you're doing which i as a 16 year old i totally did um and you can just cruise if the off-ramp is big enough, right? And the on-ramp is wide enough. Like, you can kind of get there. But to make these smaller turns and to turn into side streets, you've got to downshift. I, so, look, I think churches have become about, let's get in fifth gear. Let's keep everybody in fifth gear. Wide on-ramps. Hey, guys, what are we doing this summer? We're all together doing this, okay? Everybody get on board. Sign up. Show up. We're all doing this together. Let's stay in fifth gear and keep ru- moving. And then but when it comes to the, the fall, we're going to off-ramp together, and we're going to head over, and we're all going to do this, and it's going to be big and exciting and amazing. And I feel like what Paul's calling us to is a simple task that requires us to downshift and to say, okay, hang on, I've got to slow down a little bit, a little more power, a little more ability to handle, a little more nuance, and slow down and say, okay, rather than looking to how the church is keeping me moving, cruising, everything else, I'm going to look at the people that are actually around me. Downshift, slow down, take time for some nuance. Take time to build in some relationships. Take time to see what's actually around me. And I feel like when we do that, we'll be able to see, man, there's these opportunities that are all around me. There's these side streets that I can turn off, of, but I can't see them when I'm cruising in fifth gear. I've got to downshift. I've got to slow down. And if we do that, if we use this summer to kind of take a step back 
I think we can step into the simplicity of what Paul's saying, which is simply this. Hey, your job, your job is not to create a harvest. Your job is not to make plants grow. Your job is plant a seed, water a seed. Plant a seed, water a seed. It's this big, beautiful uh, picture that I think he's calling us into that I think has the power to transform the world around us. So our role is not to cause the growth. That's what God does. We're just servants on a farm. And I feel like that, that, um, this reminder that we're all just like servants here on a farm, I feel like to those that have massive egos and, um, and just like these delusions of their own greatness, this is such a slam to their pride and it's needed, right? To say, hey, stop. You're just a farmer. Uh, plant a seed water a seed. God is the one that's doing the work here. So when we get our egos huge and we think we're so important, hey, stop. You're just a farmer. Plant a seed, water a seed. God creates the growth, right? On the flip side of that, when we feel like the task is too big and we think, what can I possibly do for the kingdom of God, right? We need the encouragement of those exact same words. Hey, stop. You're just a farmer. Plant a seed, water a seed. God is the one that gives the growth. The same message, if we're putting ourselves too high, pushes us down where we need to be, and those same words, that same message, if we're feeling like uh, incompetent or insecure, the same words speak to us and say, hey, it's okay. You're just a farmer, right? You're just a servant of the Lord. Your job is just to plant and to water in this whole thing. I read a statistic that says that um, something like 80% of Christians will never lead someone else to Christ. Like 80%, okay? And I know what my job is as a pastor. My job is to say, you guys, that is pathetic. 80% of you are never going to lead someone to Jesus. Good job, 20%. 80%, let's get on it, right? But I, I can't get myself to say that because I'm reading this passage, right? And I'm seeing what Paul's actually talking about. And he's talking about our job is to plant seeds and water seeds. And I, I wonder, like, what is that statistic even getting at? What does it mean for 80% haven't led someone to Jesus? Like, what does that mean? Are we trying to get somebody on their knees, praying a prayer, like we're trying to finish a transaction, quickly, like, go from meeting somebody, saying hi, like, initial meeting to, like, church member within 15 minutes. Like, what is the goal of saying we're leading someone to Jesus? I think if we reframed it, and we take Paul's farming analogy, and we say, what is actually the point of this? What if we were just planting seeds and watering seeds? And for us this summer, what if we use this summer to say, you know what? Let's invest in some farming this summer, and let's look at the people around us and say, what seeds can I plant? What seeds can I water? Let's see what God doesn't it? Because it says so clearly. Like, it, it, it could not say more clearly than it does. The growth comes from the Lord. That's, in fact, Paul's main point. The growth comes from the Lord. So none of us actually is leading someone to Christ. Let's be clear about that. If we had the opportunity to plant a seed and to water a seed and to watch it grow. See, it's, it's scary, I think, at times because um, I, I think this farming metaphor leads us to long-term relational investment with people. To, to stop seeing people as projects, to stop seeing people as potential converts, and instead to see, like, let me make an investment in someone's life. Let me drop a little hope, a little grace, a little love, a little forgiveness into somebody's life and see what God will do with that. I, I think for a while I was afraid of, okay, maybe if I, if I don't do this right, though, maybe, like, I'll spend my life investing in somebody, and they're never actually going to come to know Jesus. And I feel like, uh, I feel like the Lord kind of nudged me this week to say, you know, if you Spend, if I spend my life investing in someone and all they become is a friend and not a convert, then I am misunderstanding what it means to love my neighbor. 
right? If I, if I invest my life and someone becomes a friend, but they never end up believing the exact same way I do, like, I'm still loving my neighbor, right? And, and if, I'm, if I'm a coward and I'm not sowing seeds of gospel truths into someone's life, then that's on me, and I need to be brave, and I need to find, like, does Jesus actually mean something to me? Because if he does, he's going to flood in my life. But my, my job is not to create a convert. P- Peter's approach, Peter describes this in one of his letters. Um, he says, we should always be ready to give an, an answer, a reason for the hope that is within us to anyone that asks. And so that, that, that picture, right, is not like, okay, here's the pitch. Lob it to them. Get them to sign. No, he's saying, live this life that's filled with hope. And people are going to look at you, and they're going to be like, what is going on with the hope? And then you be there, right, like, oh, man, I will tell you where that hope in my life comes from. It's Jesus, and this is how it works, right? And this is what he wants for you as well. That's Peter's approach to evangelism. Um, Ecclesiastes approach, like Solomon and Ecclesiastes. We're going to go through Ecclesiastes together in the fall, and I'm really excited to do that. Um, But his approach is, hey, I'm on this big quest to wrestle with why life is so disappointing despite everything I try, and I want you to come along on that journey of wrestling with all these things with me. That's Ecclesiastes' approach. I think it's a beautiful approach as well. And and so all I'm I'm trying to say, and some of you guys are like amazing street evangelists, like you've got these techniques, and you're like so efficient at like helping people like wrestle with a heart thing, and that's beautiful. But I just want to say to all of us, God is not expecting you to become salesmen in order to become good kingdom followers or good church members. I don't think that's the point. See, I, some of you, this is where it gets a little tough. Some of you guys are in multi-level marketing things, okay? And um, some of you are in them and you don't know that you're in them, but the rest of us do, okay? Um, and, and despite how you explain it away, it's still kind of structured like that, but... Um, uh, so I don't want to offend anybody, okay? But, but here's, here's like the, the stereotypical problem with some of the multi-level marketing thing is that you build a relationship with somebody so that you can get them to buy your product, right? Like that's, that's it at its worst, okay? Now, any of you that's like dabbling, um, of course you guys don't do that, right? But people tend to do that, right? And people can feel when they're a project, a, pro- a project, right? They can feel when they're being like sold to, when they're just a mark for a thing. And so... Um, what if, instead of this um, multi-level marketing approach, what if we, though, saw, like, Jesus as something good and beneficial that we're, like, so let me tell you a, a different kind of a story. I had, um, I get, I have restless legs, okay? So um, it's, like, it's probably from my early years of, like, dancing a ton, and I don't do it as much. My legs just, but I, I like, lay there at night, and I, I can't sleep because they, like, they, they, like, they get, like, antsy and jerky, and it's, like, really, it's, it's super messed up, and um, it's, like, uh, hereditary, I think. I don't really know, but I was telling a couple of my friends, like, yeah, I mean, I've got these restless legs, and sometimes it's really tough, and, um, and they were, like, oh, have you tried magnesium? And I'm, like, no, like, what's magnesium? Like, how, that, and so, like, no, you just take a little supplement, and it totally helps with that. Well, I started taking magnesium, and it, my life has changed. Like, my legs are, like, stable and fine, and I can sleep at night. It's amazing, okay? And if you guys uh, would like some supplements, I have a website that, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but, but what that was, right, what that was, was I was sitting there talking to some friends about, like, man, this is really unfortunate. And they're saying, like, oh, guess what? I've tried this thing, and it's actually amazing. It might actually help you as well. I think that is a beautiful picture of the way that I think, like, God is inviting us. To, so, if Jesus matters to you, that's great, right? Don't be embarrassed if Jesus matters to you, right? If you find life and hope and forgiveness and peace and like this removal of guilt in your life with Jesus, that's beautiful. And if you're talking to a friend or a neighbor or a coworker that's talking about like, man, I'm feeling really hopeless. I'm feeling really depressed. I'm feeling really guilty. I'm feeling like 
you have a beautiful thing that you can point them to and say, hey, this is what Jesus has been like for me. Um, it's possible that you'll find life in Jesus as well. And he would love, you know, that, like, that's what it looks like. Rather than uh, the approach where we go, we, like, we, we, um, it's like we misuse the concept of relationship. And I think the, the beautiful thing, if I could step back from that, if we all could, we could look at Paul's words. I think he's saying, um, look, the, these people, these servants of the Lord, we're meant to be farmers, right? We're not meant to be salesmen. Um, we're meant to be farmers. And so that looks like planting a seed. It looks like watering a seed. I, I think we get so intimidated sometimes. Like, um, I, I, like I, when I was new to the church, so I've been here for six and a half years now, my first couple Sundays um, is super intimidating. It's like so weird being like in a new place. And I'll, you guys all know what that's like. But you're sitting there in the lobby, and it's like, Every face is new to you, right? So you're, like, looking around. Everybody's new. And you just assume that, like, everybody has, like, all the friends that they could possibly need. And they all know each other. And I'm the only, like, loser that's sitting here. Like, nobody knows me, right? But, but, but what I've come to realize over the years, right, is actually everybody's kind of in the same boat, right? Everybody is this, like, insecure preteen, right? Just, like, totally not confident in themselves. Totally not sure, like, I don't know. Are they too cool for me or not? Like, the, and, and I feel like... The culture then becomes like we're just so afraid. And if we could just say, "Hey, I'm a, I'm a farmer. Like, I, I let me introduce myself to somebody, right? Let me say hi." And that's just like a little like uh, parable from the church lobby, right? But I think life is like that too, right? Our our na- our neighbors are like that, right? Our coworkers are like that, and people are just people, right? And we're all just here, and we're all insecure, and we're all so. So if we could just take that initiative and just reach out and say, "Hey, maybe this is an opportunity." for me to plant a little seed, you know? Maybe this is a, an opportunity for me to, to do a little bit of watering. Maybe this is, uh, like, uh, the beautiful thing about this for me is I kind of thought in my earlier years, man, if I'm going to be telling people about Jesus, it is, um, it's going to be about what I can give to them. The answers I can give them, the hope that I can give them. I found it in the meantime, whether people have um, come to find life in Jesus in the same way that I do or not, um, I received so much from those relationships. I gained friendships, right? And these people are made in God's image. They're beautiful. They're amazing. They're talented. They're insightful. Uh, they're encouraging. And you find, like, there's this blessing all along the way. And, and, and then, again, we look to, okay, God produces the growth. So at the right time, in the right way, if we're faithful to plant, if we're faithful to water, um, then we're going to find that, man, God is going to produce this fruit, and it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. Last thing I want to point out here, um, in verse 8, Paul says, the one who plants and the one who waters are one. And I love this reminder, okay, that it is not, it's not a competition. It's not about dividing us up into 20% and 80%. Um, it's not about looking at this church versus that church or whatever, right? It's saying, hey, it's the same field. And, and uh, God's the big picture farmer, right? And we're these little farmers. And we just get to be in there. So we're on the same team. We're united. We're one. And somehow, in all the big picture, God takes all of our little contributions, uh, ham-fisted and clumsy as they are. He takes all our little contributions and he combines them into this big, beautiful thing that looks like God is this farmer that's just cultivating this field and he's bringing this harvest. You know, G- Jesus said that, that the, uh, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few, right? And, and so as we're there just saying, you know what? I'll, I'll do my piece. I'll, I'll plant this seed. I'll water this seed. I'll, I'll do this right now because it's in front of me and I can see it. I've, I've downshifted in my life enough to see the nuance and the relationships that are in front of me, to see the people that are actually around me, to, to recognize the opportunities. It's, it is not about, I can, just, I can just promise you, we will not be effective in planting and watering if it looks like, okay, church leaders, would you please um, tell me who to talk to, uh, uh, get me signed up, give me a date and a time to show up so that I can do this. That's not effective. It's not what, it, that's not what he's describing. It just looks like, look, all of you guys, in your, 
in your beautiful, quirky, busy lives, right? Um, these relationships, these connections, these opportunities, things I will never see, things I couldn't dream of, things that may or may not look like actual opportunities to you, but they're all around. And so just saying, hey, you know what? That's right. I'm a servant. I'm a farmer. Uh, Paul's saying, I planted, Paul's watered, God gave the growth. These are the opportunities for us to plant these seeds and water these seeds. I want to close out with verse 9. And Paul uses three metaphors in quick succession here. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. So this summer, I, I want to invite us to kind of see ourselves in each of these three ways, right? So before Paul's like, you're holding up these leaders. That's not, that's not it. That's not the way to do this. You're holding up these leaders. They're just servants, okay? But he's saying, here, this is what you are, okay? Looking at, at all of us and just saying, this is what you are. You're a field, you're a farmer, and you're a building. And I think ultimately the building that he's describing is a temple. You're something that God's building together as a place where he dwells, which is like a, a temple, like a, like a church or whatever. So be a field, be a farmer, be a temple this summer. So if we're a field, um, I think the invitation is to recognize that before we're farmers and before we go out and do this and all this effectiveness, we're simply a field that God is cultivating, right? And that, that is the beautiful picture and reminder. Like this summer, I just want to be a field before the Lord and just say, God, like I'm going to take time out of my day just to say, would you cultivate what's in my heart, you know? There's so many things in my heart that I just need God to tend. And I, I'm so busy with my schedule. I'm so busy in the things that I do that I don't take time to say, God, would you, would you just kind of like turn over the soil there, you know? Would you just like speak into what's happening to me and make me more and more of this ripe field where your fruit, where your harvest can come out of my own life? We, we cannot forget that we are not the ones that have it all together. Therefore, God looks at us and says, now there's an impressive person. I'm going to use them to accomplish all the good things. No, we're just fields. And we need God to cultivate us too. So start there, right? Ask God to even, even take away, there, there's all these roadblocks to mission in our lives. That, like the mission that God has for us to go and do this stuff, there's all these roadblocks. There's all this fear and insecurity that is just growing in each of us. Even those of us that look like we have it together, all this fear, all this insecurity. And so just saying, God, cultivate that field. Take that out of me. Or the ways that I'm busy that I, I shouldn't be or the ways that I'm actually less busy than I think I am, but I just feel overwhelmed. Would you cultivate that? Would you, would you heal that in me, right? Maybe even the, the ways that I'm like overly busy with church culture, would you prune some of that back? Would you cultivate me so that I can be this field for these things? So it's, it's talking to God, asking him, spending this summer asking God to cultivate and tend our own lives. Then I think it looks like being a farmer. And the invitation I think I see for us is, what if we could spend this summer, right, when we gather and when we scatter, uh, to just plant the seeds that we are given the opportunity to plant, and to water the seeds that we're given the opportunity to water. So if that's looking like a, a way to encourage or bless somebody, to speak some truth into somebody's life, right? When someone's overwhelmed, being there to, to like embody what Jesus is and was. Remember, Jesus said the two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you spend this summer loving your neighbor, you're doing literally the second most important thing that you can possibly do according to Jesus, and that is planting seeds of love and hope, and all of it, all of it points back to who Jesus is. So plant and water this entire summer as we go about our days, as we're here and as we're everywhere, planting, watering, every time God gives an opportunity. I'd love to see us praying this summer, um, regardless of like what we're talking about in, in, in here, Second Thessalonians and the songs we're singing. Let's be praying, ongoingly, committed to just saying, Lord, I'm going to pray all summer for these specific people, for, for these specific opportunities. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to like wake up in the morning and ask God, would you give me an opportunity today to plant a seed or to water a seed? I, I believe that is a prayer that God will answer. And so let's, let's do that. Let's offer those things to him. Let's find ways to love and serve. Let's find ways to build more relational infrastructure around our lives. 
um, there's, a, there's a unique opportunity that we have as, as God's people to be these farmers then. And then finally, um, let's be a temple. Let's be the building that God himself is building up. It means he's making us together into something, right? So I'm not a building, I'm just a block, right? So I'm just a block, and we are a building. We are this temple that God is building, this place that he dwells. And so let's be that together. Let's connect with each other. Let's be this place where the Spirit of God dwells amongst us that we can invite other people into to say, hey, if you want to experience God, he's here. Like, I can tell you, he is here, right? And not just here. When we go, we're like transformers that like go into these other configurations. So we're in small groups too, right? And we're in our gospel communities and saying, hey, come, the Spirit of God is dwelling here. Come join us in that. Be a part of what we're doing together. uh, My prayer is just so much that that's who we are, a group of people that find life in Jesus together and invite other people to do the same. And so I'm going to leave it at that. And, um, but I want to take a, a few minutes to just pray and, and give us a time to reflect. So I'm going to invite the band um, to come back up. We're going to sing a little bit more, but um, just where you're at, I'm going I'm to just give you a couple of prompts, and I'm going to ask you to um, speak directly to the Lord um, where you're at with, with what you're processing. And so let me just start. Lord, Lord, would you please just speak to us in this moment? Lord, we believe that you're here with us now. We believe that you love us, that you are capable of Um, speaking directly to our hearts, of of suggesting thoughts into our minds. I pray that right now we could be focused on who you are, that you would speak to us. And so I'm just going to invite you um, as you sit here and as you're sitting prayerfully before the Lord, um, just ask the Lord for a face or a name of someone that is ready for that seed to be planted. Just ask the Lord and just see what he brings to your mind in in a moment of silence here. ask you just to sort of tuck those faces and names, maybe jot it down, maybe just try to remember, but let's ask the Lord also, what are some seeds that he wants us to plant? And maybe that's something God's done in your life, maybe it's some truth or concept about God that you just find overwhelming, his love, his forgiveness, the purpose he offers, but ask the Lord, what are these seeds, Lord, that you've placed in my life that you want me to plant in the lives of others? somewhere where there's a seed of something that you've seen in their life that you can nurture and water and tend to this summer. As we just keep our eyes closed here in this moment, I want to invite you to continue to talk to the Lord about these things this summer. Um, even ask him now to remind you to, to talk to him about these things, but who he wants you to talk to, where he wants you to go, even to see these small contributions as 
the work of farming. And so, Lord, we, we are here together as this beautiful family, this family that blesses me in a thousand ways on a regular basis. And, Lord, we just thank you as we sang for the, your goodness. You are our Father. You are our friend. Lord, you shower your goodness on us regularly. Lord, we would please receive that in turn in blessing for the people around us. Lord, save us from feeling like we are the saviors of anyone else. Save us from feeling like we're inadequate to bless anybody else. Lord, would you just speak into our lives, lead us, move us. May the seeds of your truth, the amazing fact that you love us so much that you would die to forgive us, to heal us, to reconcile us to you and to each other. Lord, may these amazing truths sink deeper and deeper into our lives. May we scatter these things as seeds to a world that needs it badly. Or may we, may we use this to water a world that, that in many cases knows who you are but needs that nurturing. And Lord, we just look forward to the growth that you will produce. Lord, would you produce an amazing harvest here in our community, in our lives, in our families as we try to just follow you in these things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.